College Basketball Insider. Some news and notes from around the world of college basketball. In-studio correspondent for WFAN and CBS Sports Radio. Attention please to John Rothstein. Please report <laughs> to St. The Insider's Insider. Joining us now with his thoughts and a break it down, John Rothstein. It's College Hoops Today with John Rothstein. Let's put the women and children of bed and go looking for dinner. John Rothstein here on the College Hoops Today podcast later in this show. We will be joined by newly minted Cincinnati head coach Wes Miller. Want to remind you to subscribe to the College Hoops Today podcast on Apple Podcasts. We want to be your Bible for the college basketball season and beyond. We are the only college basketball podcast coming to you 52 weeks out of the calendar year. Also want to remind you to check out the College Hoops Today fan page on Facebook. Give us a like. Give us a review. Let us know what you think of the product we're bringing to you 52 weeks out of the calendar year. And also a reminder to find and listen to the College Hoops Today podcast on all the popular podcast platforms and also send me your questions on twitter i'm at john rothstein that's john j-o-n and also check out collegehoopstoday.com for podcasts articles and much more all about the world of college basketball and i want to let you know that today's episode of the college hoops today podcast being sponsored by geico do you own or rent your home sure you do and i bet it can be hard work you know it's easy bundling policies with geico geico makes it easy to bundle your homeowners or renters insurance along with your auto policy it's a good thing too because you already have so much to do around your home go to geico.com get a quote see how much you could save it's geico easy visit geico.com today that's geico.com now we've got you set for all your geico need needs some interesting news some interesting notes to get to around the world of college basketball now in the middle of last week I had learned that Providence was going to replace UCLA in the Legends Classic, which was moved from the Barclays Center in Brooklyn to Newark and join a field that had already included Northwestern, Georgia, and Virginia. So what about UCLA? What would they do with their non-conference MTE? Well, I also then learned that UCLA and Gonzaga have re-engaged in talks to play at the start of next season. Remember a couple of weeks ago, it was reported that Mick Cronin and Mark Few were discussing a potential Final Four rematch. Those talks are back on. I would expect UCLA and Gonzaga to forward those talks this week and potentially giving college basketball the game that everybody desperately wants to see, a Final Four rematch, the location, the date at this time is to be determined. I would expect if it gets done, it would take place sometime in late November. And that would again add to the dynamite non-conference schedule that Mark Few would be putting together. And Gonzaga always, and they have to do this because they play in the West Coast Conference, always plays a dynamite non-conference schedule. But this is what you're looking at right now when you look at the Zags so far on paper. Neutral site games against Texas Tech, which will be played in Phoenix, Alabama, which will be played in Seattle, and Duke in Las Vegas on Black Friday to go with home tilts against the University of Washington and Texas in Spokane. So Gonzaga, if it added UCLA to that equation, would have, again, a dynamite non-conference schedule. Now, UCLA, we know, is coached by Mick Cronin, who prior to coaching in Westwood, coached the University of Cincinnati, led the Bearcats to nine straight NCAA tournaments. 
tournaments. Cincinnati was a perennial NCAA tournament team under both Mick Cronin and Bob Huggins. The program dipped a bit last season under John Brannon, who did, though, reach the title game of the AIC Conference Tournament. Obviously, John Brannon and Cincinnati parted ways at the end of last season. There's going to be a lot of things worked out in court. It's a he said, she said type of ordeal. Now, Cincinnati hired Wes Miller from UNC Greensboro to fix the issues that have been lingering with Cincinnati's program. Remember when Cincinnati hired Wes Miller, the Bearcats had just three or four players on scholarship. What will the roster look like in year one under Wes Miller at Cincinnati? And how did he do such a good job at saving the roster? We'll find out when Wes Miller, the newly minted head coach at Cincinnati, joins the College Hoops Today podcast with John Rothstein coming up next. Cincinnati will start a new chapter with Wes Miller at the helm. Miller comes to Cincinnati after a very successful stint at UNC Greensboro. And the aforementioned head coach makes his inaugural appearance on the College of Today podcast with John Rothstein. And coach, first off, I just want to ask you one question that's been ignored in every interview that you've done up to this point. What is your go-to flavor for Grater's ice cream? <laughs> it's actually funny. I had, I've had Grater's a couple times uh since i've gotten here and i actually went last night and i had a it's it's, it's going to be a problem like i have a weakness for ice cream and that's the best ice cream i've ever had uh last night i went with cookie dough uh and a, sco- a scoop of cookie dough and a sc- scoop of cookies and cream but i've been trying different stuff every time it's all been really good yeah, raspberry chip for me has always been the way to go. So that's just a free uh, free advice from one dessert person to another. But in all seriousness, how would you describe ice cream aside the last two months? You know, it, it's been, first off, it's been really exciting. Um, I, I've just got so much energy. Um, I'm so excited for the opportunity here. I've always dreamed about coaching somewhere where basketball and a program mattered this much. And it, it really matters here at UC. You look at the history and the tradition um, and what's been done here over the last 60-plus years. It's been generation after generation. You know, but in my lifetime, you know, what Coach Cronin did during his time, Coach Huggins did, you know, during his time, it's incredible. And so, you know, Cincinnati's a national brand. It's a one of the best programs in the history of college basketball. So I've just had so much energy to get in here and try to get to work. Uh, But on the other side, it's been a whirlwind. Um, It's been a whirlwind to try to get a roster together for next year, to get a staff in place. Um, Sometimes, you know, I've heard the term drinking out of a fire hose. It felt like (laughs) that at times, but not in a negative way. It's just been really exciting and uh, kind of been going on adrenaline for the last two months. Uh, But we do now, John, have a, roster in place we have a staff in place uh we have our, our guys here on campus we actually got to work today for the first time so i think if, if those things start to kind of settle in uh we're, we're going to find some solid ground underneath us here over the next two months well no, that's definitely the keys to putting things in place to having a successful first season i'm curious though wes you obviously were the steward of a very successful mid-major program at unc greensboro and the Cincinnati job was one that saw, obviously, a pretty barren roster when it became open. What were your initial thoughts when you found out that there was a vacancy at the University of Cincinnati? Well, I, was, I was completely 
interested. Uh, yeah, I was, you know, I told this story here locally. Uh, I was hoping to hear from Cincinnati, you know, and in fact, I was, I remember where I was when I got the text uh, from John Cunningham and tried, I, I think I responded uh, before, before the text even, you know, came all the way through that type of thing. I was just so excited because, you know, I was not in a rush, uh, nor was I looking to leave UNC Greensboro. I, we, we had been there 10 years I'm really proud of what we did over those 10 years and what we built. I thought there was still so much room to grow. I loved the guys that I was coaching. You know, our former players were entrenched within the program and spending the summers there. I liked who I was working for. I had a great chancellor and a great athletic director. You know, so by no means was I looking to leave. I always kind of felt like it would take something really, really special to get me to leave you know, and, and Cincinnati felt like one of those programs. So when the job came open, you know, I was hoping to, to hear from John Cunningham. You know, it was fortunate that I did. And then obviously when you hear, you start looking into, you know, what, what, what's going on in, in case you're lucky enough to get the job. So you have some understanding and you have some preparation as best you can. And, and obviously I was aware that the roster was in, in a little bit of turmoil and, and there was quite a bit of work to do if you were able to get the job and get on the ground. Well, and that's the impressive part because you have recalibrated this roster into a pretty solid form now considering the circumstances. How did you do that? Well, I, you know, I think the transfer portal, um, it, it was a really, it was an opportunity in, in the present situation here when we took it over two months ago. Um, you know, I think the transfer portal has been dangerous for programs and coaches throughout college basketball. In some ways, you know, it was very helpful in this situation uh, because I think there was three or four guys on the roster. You know, the day that I walked on campus, you know, we were able to, you know, get a couple guys out of the portal back onto the team, you know, so we we're kind of able to start with six pieces, you know, here at UC. And then we were able to kind of go get the rest of those guys directly out of the portal. It helps that three guys came with me right away from, from Greensboro. Um, you know, that so, Quite honestly, that that gave me a little bit of relief right away. That we, you know, now you're able to look up when you felt like there was three or four on day one, and after ten days or eleven days or whatever it was, you know, you got a couple guys to come back and Mason Madsen and Mike Saunders, and then there were three guys that joined me from UNCG. Plus, we had a commitment at UNCG from a transfer from Clemson and John Newman, who joined us right as well. So those first four commitments out of the portal. Um, those were very natural because there were already some really, you know, some previous relationships there. So once we did that, it felt like, hey, there's a somewhat of a roster in place, and now we could just go kind of add to it to fill some holes. And I'm really, really pleased with what we've done. You know, with Odie Aguama from Wake Forest, uh, we really needed to address the front court. Um, you know, with Abduado from Mississippi State. So I think. We added a couple impact front court guys with real experience in college basketball. Um, but, you know, again, we put a roster together with some relationships that are already there and then some, some recruiting out of the transfer portal. So we were fortunate that that was available this year. Cincinnati head coach Wes Miller joined the College of State podcast with John Brothstein. Well, you know, two guys who made Cincinnati a perennial NCAA tournament program are Mick Cronin and Bob Huggins. What has the dialogue been like between Wes Miller and those two guys since you got the job? It's been great. I, uh, I, you know, I've talked to Coach Cronin 
the night I got the job, um, and he's been really helpful. And we've had a, a number of conversations. It's you know, it, it's made me realize, you know, like sometimes I've gotten off the phone with him. He's been so helpful, so supportive that it's it's made me hang the phone up with him and call Mike Jones at UNCG and ask how I can help him and, and what can I do and to make some calls in the area in Greensboro to try to help Mike out, you know, to kind of pay it forward because mm. Coach Cronin's just been amazing. He, you know, he went to school here. He... You know, he loves Cincinnati. He's a Bearcat for life, and you can just kind of feel that when you talk to him. And then I, I reached out to Coach Huggins right away as well. Um, Coach Huggins was dealing with, I think, a loss in his family around the time I was getting the job. I was able to connect with him, and uh, I'm, I'm actually going to go sit down with him in, in West Virginia at some point. So he's been really gracious. Um, so, again, I think these are people that love this place and love this program and what they did here and what they built. You know, you can feel it when you're walking around this campus and walking in these hallways. I mean, I, it, you you can feel the magnitude of what those teams did, and you know, during those eras. And, I, and I'm really proud. We've hired a couple former players on our staff. Uh, we hired Jamar Johnson. You know, played played for Coach Huggins and uh, was on the team with Kenyon Martin. That, you know, probably should have won the national championship if, if Kenyon didn't break his leg. He was a, a one-and-done player, the sixth pick in the NBA draft, you know, a part of that era. Um, and I hired him as our director of player development. And I hired Kyle Washington, who played uh, sure. for Coach Cronin here on some great teams. I hired him as uh, a graduate assistant. So it's nice to have a couple guys around from those eras that have an understanding of what it means to be a Bearcat and wear the uniform. It's nice to have a couple of those guys on our staff. Well, and that's obviously, again, more of the foundation piece as we're talking about. But as you've been able to put this roster back together and you look at things on paper, and I know it's on paper, you have the chance, obviously, to be, obviously, I think, a formidable team on the perimeter. When you look at the perimeter and the pieces that you inherited for Cincinnati next season, what are the biggest reasons why you get so excited? Well, number one, I think I think we have a group of guys that have a lot of pride in being here. I think that they want to work at it. Like you know, I'm I'm big on having tough, edgy guys that want to compete and want to work one day at a time. Um, and I think we have that. Like I, I get the sense now we we're just getting started, but that's the sense that I get from the interactions I've had. I think we have depth not just in the perimeter, but, you know, like across the roster. You know, I think we have depth at every position. We certainly addressed the front court depth, you know, in the last three weeks in recruiting. Um, and I, I think, like, there's an understanding of the standard that you have to play and, and the expectations that you have on you as a team at Cincinnati. I think our current guys have an understanding of that, and I think, you know, they, they have an edge to try to get back to that. I, I, at least I get that sense. I don't want to talk too much because we haven't really gone through more than one workout. We had our first day of workouts today, which is why I'm losing my dang voice. Um, but but I think those are kind of the things that get you excited. But you talk about personnel. I mean, you know, John, I look at, look at our, our backcourt and, you know, like Mike Saunders and, and Micah Adams-Woods Mason Madsen and David DeJoyce, like those are four really, really good guards in the backcourt. Sure. They all have some experience. Um, you know, I, I think you, you look on the wing and uh, Jeremiah Davenport 
was one of the better players on the on the wing in this league last year, especially the second half of the year. Um, he's a guy from Cincinnati. He man, he he plays like he's from Cincinnati. Man, he's you know playing for more than than just a normal guy. He's playing for a city. You know, he's playing for his hometown. That's really neat. Um, you know, I, I think we added some depth with with Jared Hensley and AJ McGinnis who were with me last year at Greensboro. Um, and then I think again, you, you look at the front court, and I think. Uh, you know, not to pass over guys, but like Abduado and Odie Aguama and Hayden Koval. Uh, I mean, these are impactful front court guys, right? Like like guys that have already done it in college to a certain extent. And I think there's more to get out of them. I think there's development that, that can happen here right away this summer. So I think we have depth at every position. I think we have some toughness. And I think there's a little bit of an edge and a sense of urgency to try to do what we have to do to become a formidable team. Well, and that's obviously going to be occurring in a multi-bid league, which I'm sure is something that also attracted you to this job. I know that the SOCON has had some really good years the past couple of seasons, but how nice is it to know that you're not just going to be playing in a multi-bid conference now, but you're playing in a multi-bid conference that had a Final Four team last season in Houston? Yeah, it's different, right? Um, you know, you, you talk about like leaving Greensboro, that was something else. You know, you don't I've done, I did the one good league thing, and it's re, it's really difficult because we had some great teams. I mean, one year, it was three years ago, we had a team that won 29 games, and we were the last team left out of the NCAA tournament. You know, we had 29 games. I thought we were one of the best 30, 40 teams in college basketball. And you don't get in the tournament uh, because you're in that one bid league. So to me, you know, I, it was so attractive to be in one of the best leagues in America, and the American represents that. When one, when when somebody in your league played in the Final Four, I think it speaks for itself, right? And uh, you know, I, obviously, it's going to be very competitive, but that's what you strap it up for, and that's what you practice and work for every day. And I, I do think this is a basketball league, and uh, it's going to be crazy competitive, and we're going to do everything we can to compete toe to toe every night. And that's obviously the goal for Cincinnati each and every season. But, you know, one of the things that's going to make it easier to compete when you're the head coach at Cincinnati is you have one of the best home court advantages, not really in your league, so to speak, but in the country in fifth, third arena. We didn't see that last year because of the pandemic. How much does that add a dynamic to the job, Wes, when you take it over, when you know you have a home court advantage like that? John, I walked in here for my interview and when I walked in fifth third and I'm, I'm aware you know even coming from you know out of the area I'm aware of the fan base and I'm aware that this is one of the you know the best home court advantages in college basketball and I'm aware of the attendance um and so when I walked in that arena for the first time and it's spectacular like I it, it's as nice of a venue to play college basketball as any, anywhere in America um because it's it's 13,000, so it's got that big, big-time feel, but it's intimate because it's on top of you, and, you know, the fans pack it every night. So I walked in here for an interview, and I got goosebumps, and that's kind of when I felt like this is it. I, I feel it. this is the right place for me. Um, and so to answer your question, I think it's a big deal. I mean, kids want to play in those environments. Coaches want to coach in those environments. You know, I, as I've said this to the bunch of people I've talked to here over the last couple months, you know, at UNCG, we always went out and tried to schedule games in these kind of environments. But And so we tried to play in those environments every year, but we never had 
anybody in those environments cheering for us. <laughs> they were always cheering against us. To be in that kind of an environment consistently, you know, in every home home game year after year where they're cheering for you, I, I'm excited about it. I think that that'll attract the kind of players that, that we want to coach and recruit. And I think it'll give us an edge. I don't know how much of an edge. And I'm not accustomed to that in my 10 years as a head coach, but I think that'll give us uh, a, a slight edge when we take the floor. I, I know our fans will matter. Um, so hopefully that all these rules are lifted and, and, we're, and we're packing fifth third here in a couple months. Cincinnati head coach Wes Miller joined the College Hoops Today podcast with John Rothstein. Well, Wes, you have been a part of one of the great rivalries, not just in college basketball, but in all of sports in North Carolina, Duke. With that said, what are you anticipating as you now step foot in the ring in the Crosstown shootout with the rivalry that exists between Cincinnati and Xavier? It's really neat. It's the same thing we just talked about, John. Like You, you dream about coaching and playing in those types of games, right? In the greatest rivalries in sports. I got to play in a rivalry like that in college. It was better than I thought it would be growing up in North Carolina. Like when you, I grew up in the state, I grew up right around that. Experiencing it, being a part of that game was better than I thought it would be, right? It's un- indescribable, uh, the energy and the meaning and you know like uh, the, the the way that the team would just forget about everything else and do anything you, you could just to win one possession you know it was it was so neat so special um i i get the sense this may be more intense <laughs> like yeah you can feel it in this city i mean I, i've probably heard more comments whether it's Skyline Chili or Beat Xavier. I don't know what, which comment I've heard more frequently getting around Cincinnati. It's one of the two, but you can feel like the passion for that rivalry. And I, I mean, I think that's just so neat. Um, I, I think the Carolina Duke thing is so national or almost worldwide, right? It's like the world stops when the Carolina Duke, the, the sports world stops nationally. And you kind of had a sense for that when you were playing in it. That, you know, like now the national media shows up, and you, you just you had a sense that it was this big event. I think the the Cincinnati Xavier rivalry may not be as worldwide, or may not be all over the country in the same way. But I think here locally, it's more intense. I think it may be a little bit more heated, and I think it'll have a little different edge to it. And I, I'm not going to lie, I get pretty excited about that. So, you know, we'll be thinking about that talking about that as a team and, and and you know every time we just got out of the gym got out of the weight room every time we're training we're thinking about those types of games and, and certainly that one yeah there's no question and obviously to be the head coach at a place where you're going to lead your team in the battle in that type of game you want to have a good kitchen cabinet of guys to rely on and one of those people in your kitchen cabinet stepped aside from his post after a long and fruitful career this year and that was Roy Williams, who coached you at North Carolina. I'm curious, Wes, what's the biggest thing from Roy Williams that you learned that you're going to take now with you to the University of Cincinnati? Oh, my gosh. That's almost an impossible question to answer. We might have to, you know, have a whole podcast on that. Uh, You know, there's not one thing that, you know, if I'm just being completely honest and direct, which is – how I intend to be all the time. I, there's no answer. Like, there's no one answer. Um, like, the foundation of who I am as a coach is completely derived from 
in most ways from the, the time I spent around Roy Williams and the things that I learned from Roy Williams, like the values I have in coaching, the majority of that comes directly from him. Um, I have incredible parents. I have, I'm so fortunate to have two great parents, but outside of my parents, there's no other individual that's impacted my life as a human being, as a man, more than Roy Williams. So his impact on me is impossible to, you know, to, to express in, in, in a couple sentences or words. I, I will say this, um, as I've, been in this profession longer as I step into a new role, one of the things that really sticks with me is he may be the most competitive human that I've ever been around. I'd like to mm-hmm. think that I'm more competitive than him, but I, I, I don't think I can think of somebody else in the world that is more competitive than I've been around. He is so competitive. That old, you know, everybody, he's, he's a great person and a really nice, caring person and gracious person. But don't let that fool you. He has a fire that burns to win everything he does. I mean, he is a absolute animal of a competitor. I, what I've realized is that I, I'd like to think I have those qualities. But even though he wants to win as bad as anybody that ever walked this earth, he has a moral fiber, fiber and he is unwilling to bend or break rules. To win, and and I think that's really rare in our deal. Um, and I I've taken that with me. I, it's almost like there's a responsibility that I have coming from his coaching tree to do things the right way. And I, and I think it's really rare. I think it's one of the neat things about Roy Williams is like you look at the success and you look at all the things he's accomplished, but he's done it the right way every step of the way. And that that's something I think about often as we're faced with difficult decisions. Uh, in this profession, we got to we got to do things the right way because that's how I was taught. What was his response when you told him about the Cincinnati job and their interest in you? He was really excited. Um, you know, I, I, every time I've gotten calls and I've got a number of them over the years during my time at Greensboro, you know, again, I'd probably call my parents first and then he'd be the next call. And I, I really, I've always valued his opinion in any life decision I've made since I played there. Um, and when it comes to, prof- you know, a professional decision in coaching, that's probably the opinion that I value the most. And I could sense, uh, you know, something different is in voice when I brought Cincinnati up. Um, I think he, he felt this was one of those places that you can be really successful, that basketball really matters. He compared it a lot to, to his, to taking the Kansas job when he did, that it's just one of those places where they really care where the people are going to be really invested around you and they want you to be successful. And he talked about uh, the, the parallels to this situation and how Kansas felt when he took that over. Well, the parallels are similar in this sense is that the expectation each and every year at Cincinnati is going to be to play in the NCAA tournament. I know you haven't obviously had a lot of time with your group, but how do you achieve that in your first year as head coach of the Bearcats? And, you know, John, one thing I'll say is, you know, I'm excited to be somewhere where they have, like, those kind of standards and expectations because nobody's going to have a higher standard and expectation than I am for our program. So, you know, people have asked that question. And you didn't say that. But people have asked the question a bunch, hey, can can you handle the pressure of what the expectations are at Cincinnati? And it's like, heck, man, listen, if if we're not playing to the standard – 
uh, achieving the results that, that are expected here, nobody's going to be more pissed off than me. You know, I, I, expect people to, I expect people to be pissed off at us. You know, they should be because that, that is the expectation at a place like this with what's going on before we got here with the people that have been here and what they've done. So I, I, I welcome that. Um, now I forgot your your question, but I uh, but I love I, I love that we're somewhere where that's expected. Well, Wes, really appreciate a couple of minutes. Know how busy you are. Congratulations on the job. Best of luck, obviously, with the summer process. I know everybody's excited to have players and coaches back on campus this summer. You know, have a great July recruiting period, and as always, look forward to staying connected along the way. Hey, thanks, John. So I got to point this out before we go. A, a number of people came up to me and said that you you said publicly that Bearcat basketball was like at an all time low recently, and so in, in for all for all the Bearcat fans out there, we're going to try to get back to a big time high here really quickly. So when we do, we all want to hear you say that publicly. That well, weird? I'm just going to preface that statement. I'm just going to preface that statement since we're on the record here. I said that prior to you taking the job when three players were in the program and the coach who wanted to stay at Cincinnati, Mick Cronin, took UCLA to the Final Four. So that's why I said that, because there were three players in the program. But this was all before you got hired. So I just want to make sure the context was obviously clarified. But I think that college basketball is definitely better, you're right, when Cincinnati is flourishing. So uh, you're right about that. Well, we we gotta. No, I'm not coming at you. I, when we get it, when we get this thing rolling back where it, it belongs to be rolling, you know, um, you know, those Bearcat fans want to hear from you on Twitter. So, well, this I, is I would, this is I, what I'm going to tell you right now. We're going to make it right now. If Cincinnati makes the NCAA tournament, okay, next year in 2022, I am going to put up a thousand dollars to buy the first people who get $1,000 worth of Raspberry Trip Grater's ice cream in downtown Cincinnati. So send that to your SID, send that to your marketing people, and get it going on social media. $1,000 worth of Raspberry Chip ice cream if Cincinnati hears its name called on Selection Sunday. I'm going to save... I'm going to save trying the raspberry chip ice cream for that moment. There you go. I'm going to try everything else by then. I'm going to leave that one open. You got it, man. Well, Wes, good talking to you as always, man, and I look forward to staying connected. All right. Thanks for having me, John. We'd like to thank Cincinnati head coach Wes Miller for joining the College Hoops Today podcast with John Rothstein. Want to remind you to subscribe to the College Hoops Today podcast with John Rothstein on Apple Podcasts. We want to be your Bible for the college basketball season and beyond. We are the only college basketball podcast coming to you 52 weeks out of the calendar year. Also want to remind you to check out the College Hoops Today fan page on Facebook. Give us a like, give us a review. Let us know what you think of the product we're bringing to you 52 weeks out of the calendar year. And also a reminder to find and listen to the College Hoops Today podcast on all the podcasts popular podcast platforms and also check out collegehoopstoday.com for podcasts articles breaking news and more and time now for our social media portion of the college hoops today podcast with john rothstein send me your questions on twitter i'm at john rothstein that's john j-o-n our first question comes from shay irish and it's john where do you think saint bonaventure will be ranked coming into the year and what is their ceiling for the upcoming season saint bonaventure to me is a consensus top 25 
five team. I also think that Mark Schmidt is doing a great job upgrading the non-conference schedule for the Bonnies. I reported last weekend that St. Bonaventure will also play a neutral site game against Virginia Tech on December 17th in Charlotte. I think the ceiling for St. Bonaventure this season would be to be a second weekend team in the NCAA tournament. They have everybody back. I think that's a fair ceiling for the Bonnies. Our next question comes from Jack Wallace. John, what's your thoughts on how Jamie Dixon has done rebuilding TCU? How do you think the influx and exodus of players there recently will affect the team? Well, look, when I do my deep dives into each conference, and we are going to cover it here from soup to nuts, unlike any other place in college basketball, right after the NBA draft deadline on July 7th. We're going to dive into each league, one league a week. We're going to give you everything you need to know. From what I see right now from 30,000 feet, TCU is a dark horse NCAA tournament team. This conference has obviously been dominated by Kansas, Baylor, Texas Tech, and I would expect that to continue But I also think TCU has a chance to play its way into the top six or seven of the Big 12 next season. That would mean that the Horn Frogs would then have a chance to play their way into the NCAA tournament. Five good nuggets this week is being brought to you by Geico. Do you own or rent your home? Sure you do. And I bet it's going to be hard work. You know what's easy? Bundling policies with Geico. Geico makes it easy to bundle your homeowners or renters insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing, too, because you already have so much to do around your home. Go to Geico.com, get a quote, and see how much you could save. It's Geico easy. Visit Geico.com today. That's Geico.com. Now, let's get to those nuggets. Five good nuggets. Five. Five. Six. No, five. But you were close. Nugget number one, Barcelo back. Alex Barcelo announced last week that he will return to BYU next season for his additional year of eligibility. This was the leader in college basketball, an average 3.5 field goal percentage the last two seasons. Cougars should be an NCAA tournament team in 2022. Nugget number two, no sleep till Brooklyn. A big quadruple header coming to the Barclays Center on December 12th. Maryland against Florida, Purdue against NC State, Miami against Fordham, and Iona against Yale. Nugget number three, Bryce so nice. Bryce Hamilton last week announced that he will still go through the NBA draft process but expects to be back at UNLV next season. You add Hamilton to a projected starting five for the running rebels of four big 12 transfers jordan mccabe from west virginia donovan williams and royce ham from texas and victor iwakor from oklahoma run rebels look like a top tier team in the mountain west nugget them for packing the punch good news for the pac-12 ucla and oregon the Two top projected teams in the conference are slated to play twice next season during the regular season. They only played once last year due to COVID. And nugget number five, Posh's presence. St. John's was 7-0 last season in games where Posh Alexander made multiple three-point shots. He will be one of the best guards in the country next season if he can become a reliable threat from deep. I'd like to thank Cincinnati head coach Wes Miller for joining the College Hoops Today podcast with John Rothstein. We'll be back next week. Same bad time, same bad channel this was the college of state podcast with john rothstein